Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Ollie Watkins just gets away from him, but El Ghazi's behind him. And more El Ghazi! 3 0! Emphatic! Triore with Watkins available. Triore just passes it into the corner. Big moment for him. Here's Douglas the Wee, strong on the ball, opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins for 1-0 Villa! Villa's a big clap mate. Gather round villains and welcome back to another episode of Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast produced by underagaslitlamp.com. After weeks of negativity, we finally have a victory to review as we also discuss the latest contract signing and upcoming trip to Burnley and the visit of Liverpool. I'm Andy and today I'm joined by Craig and we also welcome back Dan. That's my little victory song because we got a victory, Aston Villa FC. 40 points, put that in your pipe and smoke it, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Hello everyone, good to see you gents, it's been far too long, I, I don't deliberately disappear when we start losing games, I just seem to coincidentally book up my life when there's nothing good to talk about and decide not to come on the pod, but it's nice to be back with a victory, even if it's over lowly Norwich. Yeah, I think I've, I think I've, I've seen you in person since the last time we saw each other virtually. Yeah, we should have recorded um, that. Up in Manchester. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Although it might not have gone, gone down well with uh, certain sections. But um, <laughs> anyway, we'll uh, we'll crack on and we'll start with the, um, the news from last week that less than one earth hour after we recorded last week, the club made the exciting and welcome announcement that Jacob Ramsey had signed a new five-year contract to run until 2027. It's been something of of an explosive season for the young midfielder who has kicked on hugely from his debut uh, Premier League campaign last season. He will be in the the running, obviously, for player of the season and and has established himself as as one of the first names on Steven Gerrard's team sheet, who admits being excited and surprised even by how good JJ is. Um, your thoughts on on this signing and hopes for uh, Ramsey next season and beyond? Really surprising. Um, another one that's kind of come out of the blue. Um, uh, you know, we weren't um, the, the, the 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 contracts keep coming. Uh, Cash, Martinez, Jacob Ramsey, um, Chuck Wemenka and Luis um, probably not. But uh, that's a different <laughs> conversation for a different day. And Jacob Ramsey is is probably the best demonstration of of the fact that I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, I was quite convinced last season that this was a player that didn't really have it, didn't really have any discernible skill set which was going to push him on. I didn't really see that he had a goal, didn't see that he had an assist, didn't see that he had anything other than being a kind of tidy technical player. Um, He went away uh, over, over, over the summer break, maybe he went to Marbella and became a man, don't know. Whatever he did, (laughs) he he did come back a a boy transformed and... um, Right from that uh, halftime introduction at the uh, when we were I think two 0 down against Watford in the opening game of the season, um, he came and looked a completely different prospect. Um, he's become one of the star players at Aston Villa, one of the first names on the team sheet, and it's really pleasing to see just so soon after we lost 
a kind of what we thought was a once in a generation talent in Jack Grealish through the academy. Right following on his heels the next season, someone who is really, really could be quite special as well in his own right has come through and, and taken the reins in the Aston Villa midfield. And those bursting runs from the left-hand side, um, obviously slightly different player, very different player in fact, but to have one of our own sign a five-year deal, commit himself to the club, really is music to my ears and, and, and long may it continue. Um, but the, the main congratulations has to go to Jacob Ramsey because he has transformed himself in a really short period of time. And with him only being 20 years of age, the sky is absolutely the limit. Yeah, like Craig, I've got to hold my hands up and say that I don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Because I think, start of the season, I was saying he should go out on loan and he'll do nothing for us all year and he, he should get some minutes in the championship. And boy, how wrong I was. He's He's been superb and the contract's not just locking down a young player, it's rewarding a player for fine form. And I think we've, we've argued on the pod a bit about our transfer business, about our financial business, but the one thing the club's getting completely right is locking down our best performers and, and seemingly rewarding players that if you play well, you get a contract. And I think that's a nice way to run the club. It's, it's a good character dangle. But but on, on JJ, I can't believe he's only 20. The, this season, he carries himself like an old pro and physically, he's, he looks like a lot more than a 20-year-old. He's, he's really bulked out, I think, as well. And He's just such an exciting player. I can't remember the last midfielder, goal-scoring midfielder we had. Possibly Milner, you know, you know, even back to Tails' years. It's it, There's something about a goal-scoring midfielder that you just can't help but love. They're, they're a bit of a throwback. And, and it's going to be interesting to see what we do with him because he's the kind of player that you can build a team around. But it, it's possibly a very different team to what we have at the moment. But... Um, yeah, I, I, it's great to see him locked down. Long may he continue to play for Villa and, and who knows, maybe get that England call up as well for, for in time for the World Cup. Well, I'm, 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 I'll hold, hold my horses on that one, Dan. <laughs> I think uh, every time we, we have a player that, uh, that heads off to England, um, we start to worry about, about who's talking to them. But, um, he, I mean, he, he might be in the running, you know, and certainly if he starts... Next season, in a in a similar or hopefully, kind of kicks on again in a possibly a, a relatively new look uh, Villa side. Um, maybe he will just um, attract the attention of, of of Southgate for a place in the squad. I think there are probably probably a few players ahead of him in that position at the moment. Or I mean, do England even play with? That type of player in in the midfield it would also be a question. So, um, but certainly, um, I, I was absolutely delighted. I was I, as I have been with the other two. They kind of come out of the blue this season. Emmy Martinez, the new contract came out of nowhere. I think we'd been probably talking only a few days before about possibly losing him um, in the summer, and then he signs a new contract. <coughs> and of course. Um, you know, Matty Cash as well. And these are our probably our three of our top five best performers this season. Certainly I think, you know, Cash and Ramsey will be the, the probably the two horse race really for, for fans player of the season. Um quite rightly as well. Both of them have had excellent seasons and, and improved throughout the season as well and, and, and shown shown that they that you know they've got a higher ceiling than than maybe we thought. So it's you know, the like like you say, Dan. These these are impressive contract extensions. You know, this is this is what 
what we want to see. We want to see players that are performing well rewarded straight away with new contracts. And um, yeah, I I was I, I would love to sit here and say to you that uh, no, I uh, I spotted Ramsey was going to uh, going to have a good season, <laughs> but I, I was in the same the same mind as as both of you, and I thought he may well have gone out on loan. Um, but thankfully, uh, Dean Smith was alive to his progress, and, um, and 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 he was more or less in the side from from early on. I tell you what, I, I love about him as well. He's just that explosive pace mm-hmm. on the ball, you know, sort of bursting into the box. Um, it is, I mean, it, it is kind of rep- reminiscent of Grealish in that respect, coming coming off that side, you know. But he's he seems to. He seems to start from closer in, so when he when he gets that opportunity, he's 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 much nearer the penalty area. Whereas Grealish used to run from from very deep, didn't he, to get into those positions? Yeah. And he just sort of bursts through, and he's he's you, know, you don't know which way he's going to go, and he can you, he can go on his right or his left, and and he's just so dangerous. I think he is, and he's much more of a direct runner than than Grealish was. Um, I don't think Grealish is allowed to run at his new club. Um, it's pass and move, but um, when when Grealish was allowed to run, he was more of a jinky, mazy kind of runner. Would be happy to draw the foul. Um, it, Jacob Ramsey's developing into a bit of a, a bulldozer of a player. He's developing the physical profile to kind of blast through players. Kind of actually, dare I say, I, there, there are there are there are. <laughs> I see like uh, similarities with a young Ross Barkley, believe it or not, um, in terms of mm. being that powerful build carrying the ball forward uh, getting shots away getting um, assists away um uh, hopefully he doesn't go the way of of dear ross uh, we miss we miss you ross <laughs> and um and 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 he can carry on it's really interesting i was thinking about the the midfield three the current midfield three for aston villa and actually how how interesting it is in terms of we have Jacob Ramsey, a homegrown player at 20. We have Douglas Ruiz, Olympic Brazilian, uh, Brazilian Olympic winner, gold medal winner at 23. And then there's Super John McGinn at 26, uh, 27 later on this year. That is really a very young central midfield for a Premier League outfit. And I think actually I will say myself that I probably need to take a step back a little bit more in some of my critique of the midfield because they are really babies particularly Ramsey and Douglas Louise and um hopefully the there's 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 growth for all three of those those players and certainly the sky is the limit for Ramsey yeah I think definitely a young midfield quite similar profiles there all very technical players all good on the ball and uh, and the Ross Barkley comparison is an interesting one. Andy, I was going to ask you kind of who you'd most liken him to. You've probably seen more of him in the flesh than I have. But I can't remember the last central midfielder who carries the ball as well as he does. It's just, I think there was a stat at the weekend that we had the most carries by a Villa player since Grealish two years ago or something. But I just can't remember a central midfielder who's as comfortable with a ball at his feet running at defenders as Ramsey seems to be. No, I think that's it. I mean, Craig made the uh, comparison, I think, after the Leeds game, about um, made a comparison between Ramsey and Ian Taylor. Mm-hmm. And I think it was more that kind of running onto those through balls and, you know, and obviously ice cold finishing and stuff like that, which which is which is very reminiscent of Ian Taylor. But obviously Taylor wasn't a wasn't really a ball carrier as such. Um, he was a he was a box to box player, but 
you know, very much a finisher, wasn't he? And um, Ramsey is kind of is 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 more of a ball cal- carrier um, in that regard. I don't. I really don't know. I mean, I guess you know, Barkley's not a bad comparison, really. And and the thing I like about him is in the similar way to Barkley, and we even saw this with Barkley at Villa last season, he's willing to have a go. Mm. You know, he's not frightened to... Whereas last season, he seemed very timid about about going overstepping almost what was expected of him. Uh, but this season, you can't stop him. He's, 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 he's running through and he's, he's having shots. And he was unfortunate not to score... Um, at the weekend, I thought, um, but you know, this this is this is really good. It's 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 great news, and it was a shame we, you know, we perhaps uh, missed it last week a little bit. But good to good, it was definitely worth kind of revisiting it this week. I th- I, th- I think, and uh, I hope so. Maybe there's maybe there's a couple more on the way before the end of the season. Um, you know, maybe a couple of Brazilians gonna gonna extend their stay at Villa. You never know. Um, but uh, we'll we'll get on to that maybe. Um, but the the contract uh, situation with Ramsey kind of did somewhat divert attention from from Dean Smith's return to Villa Park um, as he brought his Norwich team to B six in a bid to postpone uh, their almost inevitable relegation. He of course got a tremendous reception from all sides of the ground both before and after the match, um, but his team could not prevent the inevitable on the pitch. Uh, Burnley winning away at Watford meant that Norwich would have to beat Villa to delay their drop, um, which really never looked likely. Um, it was far from a, a vintage display um, from Villa, um, but it was really the introduction of, of Danny Ings, who replaced um, once again injured uh, Leon Bailey, who triggered some impetus. And his beautiful long ball pass allowed Ollie Watkins to kind of tee himself up with a nice little header before facing down the defender, shifting it onto his right foot and roofing it past Tim Krull. Villa had looked somewhat pedestrian prior to this, albeit Bailey had seen a lovely shot tipped onto the bar. Um, but there are signs maybe that... Um, oh, sorry, are there signs that Ings, the Ings-Watkins partnership may st- be starting to show some signs of, of clicking finally? I think they definitely are. They look great together here, and and I can't remember how many times we've said that after a match. And there's there's zero. some positive signs for sure. Yeah, I mean zero times, <laughs> but they genuinely look like a partnership here, and and it was good to see. But I mean, let's be honest. This isn't the first time we've seen the team tick with with kind of Ings and Watkins in there. Like the the little runner games we had where we beat Leeds, Southampton, and and whoever else with with them in the side was because we switched to that diamond with two up front. And so I still find it kind of confusing that Gerard is insisting on, on playing two behind a striker rather than two up front. Cause we seem, seem to play our best football with both things and Watkins in there. But look, long can this continue? If, if those two can find some understanding towards the end of the season and go into the summer and preseason, finally looking like they're playing the same sport together, then, then that can only bode well for us next year. And, and I think the big difference here is is Ings seem to be a lot more willing to drop off than he maybe has done in in previous games. He he obviously fed Watkins for the first goal and 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 seemed to be more of a creator than a scorer in this one. And I think that's going to be the secret to these two working together. But yeah, I mean if they can sort it out, and I can't believe we're still talking about them sorting it out in May. But if they can actually sort it out and come back next year as as two professional strikers who know how to kick the ball to each other, then then it can only be good for. Villa and we might actually kick on from there. 
I think that the um, I think that the ship has sailed, Dan. I'm afraid. <laughs> um, I think that, that that Danny Ings was bought for now. He was bought for this season, and as they say in these parts, unfortunately, this performance is kind of a day late and dollar short uh, for Danny Ings. Um, he was brought in. Um, some say as a smokescreen to kind of deflect from the Jack Grealish sale. Others say he was part of this dynamic Perslow-Langer plan to have this triple threat action of uh, of, of Wendia Bailey and <laughs> who we're going to talk about in some detail in a minute and Danny Ings who are going to be the missing ingredient to fire Aston Villa into Europe. Well, as we know, we're closer to relegation than Europe, so that failed like a like a like a uh, uh like something that fails so basically what we have is a a dilemma steven gerrard has come out in the press and been quite explicit in the fact that he wants a new number nine he's also been quite explicit in the fact that he does not want to buy any more developmental players i think as he as he uh characterized them he wants ready-made winners so what that says about Ings and Watkins, I don't know, <laughs> other than it looks as though they had their opportunity this season. Gerard, from his, based on his words in the press, is not willing to give them another year. And, um, and, and so I, I, I feel as though just based on that, it's, it's done. Uh, too little, too late, Danny. Um, thank you and, and next. Yeah, it's uh, it's it seems a it seems a strange one, doesn't it? I think, as we said before, when when Ings signed, um, it was all it was probably a bit of an emotional time for us Villa fans <laughs> as we were digesting everything else that was going on at the time, and and um, yeah, we, it felt like a good one, and it felt like um, you know a, 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 I called it a sure thing, and I I thought the partnership with with Watkins would be. Would be excellent. I've, I fully expected Dean Smith to um, to try something kind of new and a bit experimental to try and uh, you know get past the the whole thing about Grealish and missing Grealish. You know, it's best to do something new, but he didn't really. And and you know, I think I think in, in the end, obviously he's he's paid the price for that. But these are two very good players, and there was a little moment in the second half where. Um, I think Coutinho played in Ings and then Ings just did a lovely little one-two and uh, Watkins kind of dinked it over the defender for him. And it was a good save by Krull. Um That would have been a lovely goal if, if that had gone in and, um, you know, re- real sort of insight. But I think we have seen um, in those, it, like you say, Dan, in those three games, Brighton, Southampton and Leeds, where we, we, we won each game very comfortably and didn't concede any goals. And we saw Ings and Ings and Watkins linking up really well with Coutinho behind. So, you know, it is it is I, I still think there's 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 potential there. But like like Craig says, I think decisions have possibly already been made. Um and certainly for decisions being made about Watkins, you know, that is gonna fetch a fair sum back into the club. Which is going to go towards plans that Gerard might have in terms of rebuilding the team. So, well, here's the thing, you know, right? Like, if if there is a number nine leaving, I'm pretty sure it's not Ings, unfortunately. So, I just don't think there's a market for him out there. And and to me, that that would be a colossal mistake because we. It seems like we're finally getting the Ollie Watkins from last season back again now. Kind of whether it's 
you know, the fact he's become a dad, the change of managers, whatever it is, we're, we're finally seeing the real Ollie Watkins again. And the thought of cashing in on him now would be criminal, in my opinion. So it, it, it dis- would disappoint me if, if we sell the wrong number nine and we're, we're lumbered with whoever comes in and Danny Ings. I think it would leave a particularly sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, actually. And I've been quite okay with the idea of Ollie Watkins moving on this summer. Because I I felt like maybe maybe he'd hit hit a bit of a ceiling, um, but the last few weeks I think even you know in the games we we were losing I think he was you know certainly he looked more more aggressive more ferocious more back to his his old self from last season, um, and I don't know it's made me think well maybe he's maybe he's he's been given a, a a bit of a vote of confidence maybe a bit of a boost maybe who knows a new contract for him might be around the corner so that's maybe spark things you know and i tend to agree i think and as well i mean maybe that england that that outing for england has done him the world of good um and maybe he's felt or southgate's had a word and said Look, just just do what you were doing you know get get yourself you know, in the stats columns, if you like, and get yourself um, back back up to form, and you you've got a chance of going to the World Cup. So, you know, hopefully, I tend to agree. I, 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 if you know, obviously, if it was a choice, I'd want to keep Watkins for for sure. That goal on that goal on Saturday was was superb. The way he took that that was that was proper quality, real quality. Um, yeah, I, I I agree. I would keep Watkins over Ings. I mean. There is an argument to say, and and again, I'm basing my opinion based off what Gerard said, um, and you know they've been quite clear that they're going to go after a big time number nine. Um, that doesn't mean they'll get a big time number nine, mind <laughs> you, because obviously it's easier said than done. No. But um, would I be completely against Watkins and Ings having another season, maybe with Archer in the background? I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world, but. Again, I'm just basing my opinion off off of what's coming out of the club, and that is that a new big time number nine is coming in, which means someone's got to go. And if someone does got to go, it's got to be Danny Ings, and and, and Ollie Watkins should be retained. But as you say, um, Andy, um, Watkins is certainly the one that brings in the most money, and also is Watkins going to be willing to play second fiddle to to this new number nine, whoever he may be. Well, the thing is, though, we had that debate, didn't we, last season? We were talking about this all of last season when we were convinced, I suppose, in a way, that Tammy Abraham might be coming back. And it was this idea, well, you know, is Watkins going to be happy to move out to the left? Um, you know, is, is, is Watkins going to be happy to sit on the bench? You know, and it is a case of, well, you do need a squad, don't you? And in those areas, you need options, we had a whole season last season of Watkins. I think he played thirty-seven of the thirty-eight games, and we we all agreed that that was that was ridiculous. You can't do that. That's the road to nowhere. So, um, but he does have to. I suppose he's at he's, he's at that point of his career now where he has to think if there is a big move on the table for him. Um, you know, he's got he's got to go for it, hasn't he? You know, he, he really does, and. Um, had Villa pushed on this season, had the Watkins and Ings partnership um, with Wendy behind and, and Bailey chipping in, had that 
clicked from 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 early in the season. Dean Smith might be the manager, and we might be heading for Europe. But it, 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 these things didn't come together quick enough. So don't tease um, me with Villa with Dean Dean Smith in charge and heading for Europe. <laughs> the sliding doors moment that we could be in right now. It, there yeah. is also oh, uh, some, there is also a thought to be had here about patience and lack of patience in modern football, like. We talked about the likes of Ian Taylor earlier. A generation or two ago, it would be unthinkable to tear up a, you know, a, a, what is a, a kind of £60 million striker uh, partner, strike partnership at Aston Villa just because it didn't work for one season. You would give it a little bit more time. A Bailey, who we're going to address in a minute, normally you would give a big signing a bit more time. Um, it's just a different world now and um, and, and and patience is... is is um is is out and and I think lots of that narrative is is actually driven by the manager and lots of the things he's come out with in the press, throwing his players under the bus, talking about how he needs to sign this player, that player, the other player, and you know he seems to be making these statements or protestations or whatever you want to call them each and every week, so there's almost fuel to the fire um in terms of in terms of what Gerard's saying. I mean, could it be argued that Gerard would be better off? certainly from a player kind of well-being standpoint, or well-being isn't the right term, just keeping the players on side, just to maybe be a little bit more pragmatic in some of his public commentary and, and talk about developing the existing squad and, and giving everyone a, a fresh start next season, those kind of kind of more conciliary things rather than this kind of um, almost some of his some of his language is actually I find quite provocative. I don't know what you boys think. Yeah, I think it's been his biggest weakness as a coach so far, and I think he himself will look back on it in ten years' time. It's it's not quite Graham Souness on the training pitch going after people's shins, but it's not far off. And I can understand he, he's only what five years removed as a player; he's still kicking every ball. But I think his man management has left a lot lot to be desired so far, and. Yeah, I mean, on the point of of us having a short amount of patience with players, we're going to talk about Bailey. We'll talk about Buendia too, who was public enemy number one a couple of months ago. And Coutinho came in was the answer to all our problems. Now Coutinho has a few bad games and Buendia is the answer to all our problems. And I think there's, you know, it, it's, it's a modern fan base problem that you are always looking for the answer, that one nice, neat answer that will make the team click. But unfortunately, I don't think that exists. And you you tend to then look at players as assets. And I think that, that going back to Ollie Watkins, he's a much better asset than any other forward player we've got at the club. And, and that includes Cameron Archer because he's, he's proven he can score goals at, at the Championship and the Premier League and, and internationally now too. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's a big, it's going to be a big summer. And, you know, as, as we said, and we'll, we'll, we'll obviously be, be picking that up as we go through. I, I just but, want to pull Daniel yeah. up on one thing there because God. <laughs> you've just said there isn't one play that's going to fix everything. Now, I've been reading Villa <laughs> Twitter very carefully and I'm quite sure that a defensive midfielder fixes everything. That's sorry, I forgot about that. Yeah. I've read, it doesn't matter who the defensive midfielder is, as long as we get one, everything's sold. Now I've read that so much now, not just on Twitter, but the, the articles coming out of the, the Villa Journos, Priest, uh, Evans. Uh, Matt May is normally a little bit more measured, that I have been brainwashed. I am convinced, I am a believer that once we sign a defensive midfielder, everything <laughs> everything is solved, fixed, tick, tick, tick. Just wanted to comment on that, Daniel, because I think you've got Good. that one wrong. 
No, thanks for pulling me up on that. We need to get our facts straight on this pod, yes. and, and that's an important one to have in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the world according to Villa Twitter. Uh, that's, a, that's a rabbit hole we don't really want to go down at this point. Um, but we will talk about um, something a little bit perhaps negative, but um, Leon Bailey had, uh, of course, started the match um, at the weekend, much to the annoyance of the uh, Emmy Buendia fan club. Um, but following his early attempt, um, he, he's he been uh, crunched, really, by the Norwich fullback and needed some treatment. Um, he'd clearly perhaps not been able to run off that injury, and during a Norwich attack, he was unable to keep pace with his man and pulled up again. This led to derision and booing from the crowd with uh, vociferous suggestions that this was laziness from Bailey, who was then booed as he was he was substituted also. Um, it has been, of course, a hugely frustrating season for, for a £30 million man who promised so much, um, but has struggled with injuries throughout. Um, it seems to, to me that he's also been perhaps targeted by fans who would prefer to see other players um, starting the team. Um, you know, this was, I think, highlighted by the fact as soon as Bailey went down injured, the whole 10 started singing for, for Emi Buendia, which, you know, is, I don't know, it's one of those things, it's not exactly helpful, is it? Um, but what do you make of this situation and, and why has Bailey become, you know, so unpopular amongst amongst the fans? Well, I think that mud sticks, unfortunately, and there is a, there seems to be a perception amongst the Villa fan base that Leon Bailey is um, a little bit wet, for want of a better term. That perception is similar to the one that Matt Target earned in his first season with Aston Villa. And even though I think Matt Target shed that in his um, subsequent season, winning the Villa Player of the Year, the second he had a knock or an injury or, or a bad game, um, people people went back to that because, you know, a first impression is a very strong thing. And the fact that Leon Bailey's been so vulnerable to injury, the fact that he seems to go down so easily, and the fact that he doesn't necessarily seem to have the old, uh, you know, it's not exactly Terry Butcher, is he, or or Paul Ince with the uh, <laughs> with the bloody headband in 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 Rome, you know, we, we, he's not exactly given off those kind of vibes. So I think that when Villa Villa, you know, Villa Park is a um, an interesting kind of place in terms of. A lot can be forgiven in terms of technical ineptitude. John McGinn, for example, you know, really struggles to pass a football for a lot of the time. Um, but it's forgiven because of his attitude, his, his tenacity and his will to win. We, the, the Villa fan base are quite funny like that. They can be very, very forgiving of kind of shortcomings as long as you're, be, you're seen to be giving it all. And I don't think that, that Bailey is, is seen to be giving it his all. And I also have to give a shout out to Simon Adams on Twitter who pulled me up for calling Leon Bailey both made of glass and a biscuit. And um, <laughs> we agreed mutually online, me and Simon did, that we're going to call uh, Leon Bailey now is going to be Gingerbread Bailey um, because he's made of gingerbread. And that's, um, and that's me probably buying into and joining into the, the narrative. But what else can you say? The certain players that just do not seem to have the robustness to deal with top-level football. Unfortunately, Leon Bailey looks like one. We have one on loan, Keenan Davis, flying, and then obviously breaks down with an injury. Uh, Leon Bailey seems to be another. 
And unfortunately, it seems like um, Steven Gerrard is targeting another couple in, in, in Joe Gomez and Calvin Phillips, just players who just can't stay fit for love nor money. And I think once you get tired with that brush, and as Leon Bailey has been, it's going to be very, very difficult for him to win people around um, because he is to many Leon the gingerbread Bailey. It's a new one from Craig. Previously, wasn't it Poppadom Bailey too? Like where where on the the biscuit based item injury scale is gingerbread to Poppadom? Well, the, the the gingerbread is probably more robust than the Poppadom, so maybe I'm being a bit harsh. But gingerbread Bailey has a bit more. There's the, the bread and the Bailey a little bit of alliteration in there, which I think. No, no I like it. It always yeah, helps, you know, to um to 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 help something stick a nickname. I find some alliteration. <laughs> it's um. I mean, I feel for Leon Bailey, but on current form, he's the worst 30 million signing we've made since Danny Ings. So he's, he's on a bit of a hiding to nothing. Um, but it's honestly, I, I'm not entirely sure it's all his fault. It's um, when we signed him, we should have known that he was, you know, a little bit injury prone. We should have done our due diligence there. And I think when we signed him, we said on this pod that we needed to be cautious of his international schedule, which this year with the way that CONCACAF qualifies for the World Cup meant he basically had an entire extra league season of Jamaica games. And and they take their toll on a player, as does the travel. And, and I think Villa should have known this up front and should have known that they had a player that perhaps would have needed wrapping in cotton wool and perhaps wasn't the right player to sign. Um, I still think there's a great player in there somewhere. I don't know where, and I don't know if we'll ever get it out of him because once once the fan base starts to turn on you, it's hard to pull it back. But but Craig made the comparison to Matt Target there, and maybe next year we see a Matt Target type revisionist season from Bailey, where he suddenly rolls his socks up, becomes this hard working, tenacious midfielder who's got bags of talent, and then come January goes on loan to Newcastle and finishes above us in the league. But um, no, I feel for him. It's it's not gone well for him. I, I think we've got a lightning sign in. We've got to point the finger at the, the transfer hive mind at Villa. But also, sometimes this happens with players. It's, you know, being a professional footballer, anything can go wrong. And then once you're on that injury cycle, it's really difficult to get off of it. And and even the best players have had those injury trap seasons where they've disappeared. But yeah, I think Craig's got a very good point on that the, the Villa Park faithful will forgive anyone if they run around a lot. And, and Bailey doesn't quite look like that yet. And someone maybe needs to just take him onto their wing and tell him to, you know, close down the corner flag or something just to get the crowd on his side. People like Andy still think Freddie Gilbert's, Freddie Gilbert's a top-class <laughs> right-back because he runs around a lot. Villa fans, Slides, will, gets his shorts dirty. Villa fans will forgive a lot if you run around a bit, I tell you. I definitely don't think that, Craig. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm just... I'm just really disappointed, I suppose, um, with the reaction. Um, okay, you can be frustrated. You do hear moans and groans from 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 uh, stands at times, but to boo a player who's ostensibly been injured, uh, one of your own players, is uh, you know is is just is just rubbish, isn't it? Really. And uh, I think if you're one of those people that that booed, you're a clown. You know, it's it's um, it's just symptomatic as well of of, of how 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 um, the the crowd has turned generally. I think in the during the course of this season, I think you know, leading up to um, to the lockdown, 
Um, obviously, we had a couple of great seasons in the championship and we were all firmly behind the team and there were some great atmospheres, even though we were struggling in the Premier League in the first year back. Um, and obviously, you know, returning this season, the atmosphere was good up to a point. But just over the last few weeks, it's been it's been really bad and there's been a lot of, uh, you know, um, negativity, I think, and, and negative attitudes towards towards the team and, and, and the players, apart from Buendia, who's, who walks on water, um, <laughs> apparently. But, you know, it's um, it's just disappointing. A player that's, you know, he, he doesn't, he, he hasn't deliberately come over from Bayer Leverkusen for thirty million pounds, um, and and decided, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit on the uh, treatment table all season. That's not that wasn't his intention. You know, he wanted to make an impact, and he had he he did to some degree, um, but he's just not. He's just taking time to recover from a season that has been ravaged by injuries. Um, he picks up another injury, and because he he can't quite, um, you know, or he, I suppose he appeared to pull up. Um, and not chase his man, um, you know. He 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 incurred that that wrath from the crowd, and I think that was I think that's one thing. But then to boo him while he's injured and and to and getting treatment and to boo him uh, when he's when he's walking off, I thought was 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 really really bad. I agree. I I I, I I'm not going to defend it. I think that um that the, the it's disappointing. I certainly rolled my eyes um, and I made an audible kind of uh, when Bailey went down and he's rolling around, I think within the first four or five minutes against Norwich. And you're just thinking, here we go again. What's wrong with this guy? But that's that's a different thing from booing him, uh, you know, while he's while he's you know prone on the ground. I think that's that shows a, a lack of class, quite frankly. But I think it speaks to the wider issue, which you 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 talked about in that famous tweet, Andy, the picture of Jack and um, Dino. The heart and soul has kind of gone a little bit out the out of the villa out the villa side at this moment in time, and we need some new heroes. Which is why it's good that Jacob Ramsey signing a new deal. Uh, it's good that Ollie Watkins is showing his uh, fire again. It's good that you know the Tyrone Mings boo boys have been quiet actually recently because he's had a, a a really good run of games. I think quietly in the background, he's been playing really well. So we need these heroes. We need these leaders because we, we, you know, we lost two of ours. I mean, Jack Grealish, as we speak, uh, man, you're not, you know, he's a cheerleader, sat on the bench next to Scott Carson for a Man City <laughs> Champions League semi final. At least he's in the Bernabeu, you, though, you isn't he? He's, he's getting that European action. <laughs> yeah, getting the European action. I've had more action, I tell you, on the streets of Madrid than he, anyway. The, um, <laughs> the, um, the, 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 you know, but the, and 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 Dino, you know, I, you know, I, I, I wanted to ask you about this, this Andy. I know it's not in the notes, but I, you know, my heart broke a little bit when I saw that picture, the, uh, the, the video of, um, I think there was some fan footage. Just someone just had their their camera phone pointed at Dino. As all the Villa players, one after the other, Cashy, Douglas Louise, John McGinn came and gave Dino a big hug. Even Bertie Traore gave him a hug as, as he, you know, was relegated. I, I just wanted to take a moment. I don't know if you, if you were going to mention it or not, but I, I just want to know how was that? Did you hang around for the end of the game? Did you see Dino? I mean, it just seemed. I mean, as I say, you've got Jack the cheerleader, Dean relegated. It's it's all just gone kind of kind of sad for everyone in a way. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I don't think um, Jack Grealish's bank manager is feeling too sad, <laughs> but um, I think 
I think in terms of Dino, it was just lovely to see him get a really good reception. Um, I did note that, uh, and it's one of these insignificant things that fans notice, I think, that um, he, he, he had his suit on and um, he only ever used to wear his suit for home games and Wembley. Um, he, he was a he was a tracksuit guy, I think, um, the rest of the time generally, and uh, until Luke Roper sent him a load of gear, I think, and he started wearing <laughs> that. Um, but he put he had his suit on at, at Villa Park, which I thought was, um, you know, was really nice. Uh, it's something that I spotted, and uh, and I thought it was really good. And obviously, he got a great reception, and I saw that I saw that that f- footage as well. And um, yeah, it's it's sad, isn't it? It's it, it, it's sad and. You wonder whether if he had his time again, would he have jumped back in so quickly? I said at the um, time it was stupid. I, I don't know what he was thinking. Um, maybe he's he wasn't. got challenged next year now too, doesn't he? Because Norwich are used to going up as champions after getting relegated, and, and that's a big ask. This is a one of the what well, I say one of the worst Norwich squads. They always go down, but it's, it's, it looks like one of the poorer ones. Well, yeah, they don't have a Brendier this year to um, yeah. to, to to pull them out of the fire. Um, yeah, he, he's improved them though. Yeah, 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 he's yes. definitely improved yeah. them. They, I mean, um, they, were, they, they were, they were solid. They were a lot better than they should be. They were, they were a lot more than, than some of their parts. I thought on Saturday, Norwich. I thought some of these players are bloody awful. Goodness me! And Dino at least had them competitive. I mean, this wasn't a walkover for Aston Villa. We did have to work for the three points. I think you guys have kind of summed up for me. The reason why I missed Dino, not to make this Dean Smith podcast, which I do, I, I'm going to launch separately over the summer. Um, <laughs> but there's, there was definitely Dino was guilty of putting his arms around the players all the time, being annoyingly positive, but it created a positive atmosphere around Villa Park. And I don't think it's any surprise that, that we've torn that up and brought in a, ma- a manager who throws his players under the bus, constantly talks about getting new players in, and suddenly the atmosphere's gone a bit toxic and people are turning on the players quickly. I think, you know, as fans, we all take the lead from the manager to a degree. And I think that, unfortunately, some of some of the things that Jared's done in the press has created this atmosphere around the club, whereas if he's willing to throw players under the bus, then, then fans will be quick to it too. And I think that's just one of the disappointing things. I mean, you know, inevitably the football will be better under Gerard, but but the atmosphere hasn't been the same, and it's mm. for various reasons. Is, but is that inevitable? Well, I mean, I, I'm trying to be nice here and avoid the slating I get on Twitter every time I mention Dean Smith. But um, I, I mean, whether Smith's football was the answer or not, I think Smith the man created a nicer atmosphere around Villa Park, and I think. It depends what you look for as a fan, and, and much as I love to see Villa win, I, I like to like Villa as well, if that makes sense. And and I kind of enjoyed the, the happy, clappy, kumbaya, pot cookie atmosphere of last season, and I'm not particularly enjoying this scraping to 40 points and, and throwing every single one of our players to the walls when they have a bad game season. It's, it's when we had clean-cut players like uh, Matt Target, <laughs> who just looked like a warm bowl of apple pie and custard. And then you've got this kind of fancy Dan Frenchman in his place. It just doesn't feel homely anymore, does it, Dan? These these bloody foreigners. Come. And they're coming over here, taking our left-backs jobs. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, just to digress slightly, um, and we, you know, we can talk about the, uh, the Buendia, Bailey, Coutinho conundrum. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been done to death really on Twitter. But I, I I'm just a bit, um, I sort of had had this theory that um, one of the problems Coutinho has at Villa is that 
we're not used to players like him. We're not used to players of his level that do what he does and that perhaps need um, players around him to to kind of to kind of put him in those positions, if you like. So wherever he's played, you know, that's it's not to say he doesn't work hard because I'm sure he does. But and I see that he does. But mm. he's he's a, he's a he's a he's a he's a level above what what. We we are used to seeing playing for Villa, whereas Buendia is is not. You know, we we've seen players like him come and go over the years all the time. You know, so and as much as Buendia, you know, is is a is a good player and he came on, he made a bit of an impact against the Norwich team that I think had given up by that stage. So it was a bit a bit sort of after the Lord Mayor's show, but. Um, and he also missed a really good opportunity to work the keeper, but we, you know, I don't want to criticise him, you know. But I think we, you know, he's the he's the level of player we're used to. Whereas Coutinho play, is a is the sort of player that plays for someone else. You know, we don't get players like that at Villa. We never, I've never known us to sign a player of of his his profile and and, and caliber really. So, um, I just wonder if that if that's part of the issue. Um, with Coutinho, I know he's been off form, but players do go in and out of form. Buendia hasn't been, you know, pulling up trees all season, has he? You know, um, but yet somehow he's managed to, by being out the side, he's elevated himself above Philip Coutinho in 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 fans' minds. It's it's a strange one. I think it goes back to what I was saying last week. I think there is a kind of built into most people I think in British society I think it's fundamental to how we think and I notice it profoundly living in North America I don't know if you have if you have thoughts about this Daniel I think most of us have a kind of sense of fairness um in in, in kind of in, in in British or at least in English culture now obviously that doesn't seem to be filtering its way through to some of our political class sure. but lots of us I think have a fair-mindedness and I think that when we see someone like Coutinho really shit in the bed for a number of weeks now, I think it's not outrageous to say. We feel like the, the, the other guy should be, even though he might be the inferior player, is an inferior player, should be given some kind of chance, should be given a look in. Um, and when he isn't, I think people get a little bit turned off, particularly when they see someone like Bailey, who they don't feel has earned it, don't feel as working hard for the shirt, come in ahead of him. Um now I don't think he Bailey was coming in ahead of Brendier. I think it's Bailey or Ings rather than and it's Coutinho or or Brendier. So I think that feeds into it a little bit. And I think there are now, it's fair to say, Andy, giant you know, there was a small elephant in the room uh, with Coutinho. Now the elephant is is trampling all over all over Steven Gerrard's uh, left buttock. Because the issue is that if you look at Coutinho as a whole, we're seeing an absolute magician and genius in very small patches. We saw a patch against Man United. We had about 20 minutes against Leeds at home. We had 45 minutes against Tottenham. Um, and we had uh, 45 minutes in, in another game that I'm, I'm, uh, isn't immediately coming to mind. But for large, large swathes of the game, um, Coutinho is a complete passenger. And whether or not Villa are in a position to carry him I think is now becoming a fundamental question and people see Brendia as a less talented but more harder working version who is going to do more for you when he's not on form. At least he's going to help you out a little bit more than Coutinho is. I think some of the concerns are valid, but I don't know that um, 
I don't know that it's like a, a binary choice, is it? Is it? Is it just Coutinho a, a Buendia? Is that where we've come to now? It's either or. I think it's. I think you've got a good point there, Craig. Because I think when he's on, Coutinho is worth me clicking through the pop-up ads on my illegal stream alone. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it makes all that clicking worthwhile. But he's not on often enough. He's a luxury player in a league that doesn't take luxury players anymore. I mean, show me a top team that can, you know, not carry because he does put the work in off the ball, but but the game's moved on. And, and as great as Philip Coutinho is on his day, and he is great, he has not moved on with the Premier League. And I think that's where the difference with Buendia comes in. He's not as talented, no. But on the other side of the ball, he does a lot more. He seems to be tactically more intelligent as a, as a ball presser, and he seems to be more energetic as a ball presser. And I think... You know, if Villa are in mid-table and we have nothing else to play for, then watching Coutinho every week is great. But when we're actually at the wrong end of the table, scrapping away, then then you'd rather see a player who's gonna who's gonna move you up a level. And I think, as brilliant as Coutinho is, it's he's not gonna move us up a level on his own. He's a luxury player who'd be great amongst other players of his level, much as Jack Grealish would have been great amongst other players of his level at Villa. But We've got glaring holes to fix in that team that aren't a creative midfielder who who doesn't track enough. And, you know, I think Gerard has made a rod for his own back, so I don't see him not signing Coutinho. And, and as great as Coutinho's been, and I'm not going to be disappointed with Villa signing a player like Philip Coutinho, but I don't think he's the answer to any of our problems. Uh, I think we've got a perfectly serviceable number 10 there, a really, really good player in Buendia, and, and we need to address other problems in the team because I think... Otherwise, we're going exactly back down the Grealish route of building a team around a luxury player who who isn't going to stick around forever. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of the point in in a sense, isn't it? That you know, Coutinho, you know, is 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 um, is levels above Aston Villa, isn't he? And if you're levels above, it doesn't necessarily follow that you're going to then drag that team up to your level. I think Grealish did, in actual fact. I think he was far from from a luxury player in that respect. I think he he demanded um, much higher levels of performance from his teammates, um, and he got it it's a fair. lot of the time. Um, and he he held his heart, end, end of the bargain too. Um, I think Coutinho has perhaps, you know, he's, he's, he started well. He's kind of kicked on, and 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 we saw him, you know, produce some 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 great moments, and then um, things have just gone off the boil. And but I think that's co- coincided with the team going off the boil as well. Um, and I just wonder whether, you know, are we writing him off? You know, I mean, we we have short memories, don't we? If we're comparing the two, you know, I've been. You know, I could probably I could probably point you towards you know a good few games earlier in the season when Buendia stunk the place out as well. So, you know, we're we're talking about you know when we're comparing at the moment if we can comparing Coutinho's performance on Saturday against Buendia's, you're you're comparing a you know a player that was obviously playing most of the match against a, a fresh team against the player that came on for 10 minutes against the team that was dead and buried. So, you know, you, you sort of, it's, you know, it's not a fair comparison really. And even then I would say, you know, Coutinho wasn't, was far from at his best, but he was involved in everything Villa did. 
and he kept going and he kept trying to create things and he he, he didn't shy away from anything so um, I mean, and that's is, what you want from your best players we talked about last week a, a couple of things Andy we talked about last week that that, that Quintino probably deserved to be dropped but we, we weren't going to drop him because we're home against Norwich and this is when Coutinho is going to be absolutely running the show he's going to be too much for them and he wasn't he just wasn't he didn't he didn't stand stand out against and and anyway he he might be in a bad moment of form, but there is going back to the James Rushton point that I emphasised on last week's podcast. There is a element of changing the stained glass windows in the church while there's a big sodding hole in the roof, um, and 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 um, I'll, I'll read you a Stan Collymore um, tweet on Coutinho, which I thought was interesting. Um, Collymore says, if we're regularly sixth to eighth and won a dozen games of extra special, then it's worth the injury goes missing risk. When you're competing to get into the top half, fees and wages are better resources elsewhere. Thank Coutinho and move on. And I'm thinking now about the resources. Not that I'm an Aston Villa bean counter, and I know football is more than that. It's about the magic. And you want Coutinho in there because he's going to be magical. And I say this as someone who has an Aston Villa home jersey with Coutinho 23, <laughs> which I wear all over the place. So I am a, I'm Coutinho in. I want him. I want him. But if we're taking a wider view, we're taking a more macro view, we've just signed Ramsey on, uh, I think, a deal which gives him £70,000 a week. Great for Jacob Ramsey. That is, that is probably a third or a quarter of what of of what Coutinho is making. So just from a just from a numbers point of view, if Aston Villa can get four Jacob Ramseys into the squad, four players of that level, which would move the whole team forward. If we get four Jacob Ramsey level players dotted around the team, is that better than one player? who can maybe turn it on for us four or five games a season and do wonderful things. I don't know what the answer to that question is, but it's definitely worth a conversation. And I don't think the signing of Coutinho is as straightforward as it once appeared. Yeah, and I'm of the opinion that, that Coutinho's Villa career should be like Stan Collymore's movie career, short and sweet and you know, probably goes crashing out in the opening credits of Basic Instinct 2 or whatever it was. So um, <laughs> I love him. It's been great watching him. This has been an audition that he's not quite passed. And I think we're almost back. To, I can't believe I'm saying this about the world's third most expensive player to the um, to the Axel Twanzebe potted plant argument. He's he's not our player. We've got, we've got a perfectly good number 10 who's younger that we've paid a transfer fee for that's sitting right there. We might as well give him a shot. Us digress? Yeah. No. Doesn't sound like this podcast.
Yeah, I don't want to go over the top with him, and so I won't, because he's he's in the kind of position that you need to see a few games before you can tell how good he's going to be. But I thought what was telling is he brought two things to this team that have been badly missing, and, and you mentioned one there, which was aggression. And I think also aerial prowess is something we've been lacking, and he, he won a bunch of headers in there, and I think really helped us out in that regard. I think... Uh, I, I eagerly anticipate what he brings to the side. I don't think he, he's the answer to the, the defensive midfielder that's suddenly going to make Aston Villa Premier League winners, Champion League winners, all, all of whatever everyone keeps telling us. But to Craig's point earlier, he's, he's another young player coming through, another young player getting minutes who look perfectly comfortable at this level. And I think that that really excites me because we've got a few players coming in now that, that look like they're comfortable at stepping up and, and players who've got skill sets that the first team's missing. Um, so I think it, it's always good when you look at your club and you think, oh, we we could do with a, a strong kind of aerially proficient, aggressive defensive midfielder. And instead of going out into the transfer market, you pluck one from your reserve team. So I hope between now and the end of the season, well, all three games we've got left, he gets plenty of minutes and, and creates a real headache for Gerrard going into next season. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I can I can concur with that. I think he was he was steady, solid. Um, it wasn't spectacular, um, the debut. It wasn't poor. I think he did well. Um, I think that the team the team he was up against is is championship standard. And I think probably um, that might be where he goes next year. I think it's interesting talking about young players. Obviously, I got it wrong. We all got it wrong on Jacob Ramsey. But Tim O'Gruber, maybe he goes to Marbella and makes himself a man like Jacob Ramsey <laughs> did or may have done. <laughs> Um, I've made that up, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, and uh, maybe Tim comes back ready for next season. But um, at the moment, as things stand, I, it looks like Tim would would benefit from a year in the championship. And what better place to go, actually, than than Dean Smith's Norwich City? I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, have my my young players with anybody else other than Dino. I, uh, he would be my number one priority. I'd say, yep, yeah, Dean, three loans do you get from a Premier League club? Take your pick, mate. Take everyone you want, and um, and you, and you bring them along because we know that we 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 you'll love them and, and trust them, and you'll take care of them, and you definitely won't throw them under the bus. Um, and the other thing is that um, in retrospect, now talking about young players coming through, Carney Chokwemenka. I know we're not talking about him today, but actually, maybe this has been a lost year for him. Whether he goes or whether he stays, this has been a lost season. Um, I really wonder if he would have been better off in retrospect having a, a year loan in the championship and whether that would have that would have um, maybe helped him get some grounding that allegedly he might need. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? That uh, I mean, clearly um, Irugbenum has 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 signed his contract, signed a really long contract for for a young player like that, and um, he's been rewarded with 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 start starts minutes on the pitch and um which is invaluable for him and whether he go, goes on loan next season or, or or stays around the squad I'm sure he'll he'll be involved because clearly Gerard really rates him but Gerard also really rates Chukwemeka as well and and um I think look if 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 he ends up in in Borussia Dortmund's first team next season playing Champions League football with Bellingham and whoever else then he he won't he won't have a second thought about it but you know sometimes these things don't work out how how perhaps your advisors these players advisors think it's going to and you know I think uh, the best thing for for Carney would have been to 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 try and 
you know, negotiate a, a bit of an extension to his contract and and, and put himself within a with it with a better chance of of playing. Um, and and the Gerard and I'm sure he'd have played more games. Um, like we said, it's a bit of a chicken and an egg, you know. But I don't think the reason Chukwemeka is is not signing a contract isn't because he's not getting minutes. I think it's because he's had his head turned and he's got offers from elsewhere and and that's that's the issue. I think Villa could have started him in every game. I don't think it makes a difference to him. Uh, Do you think you he know, starts for Dortmund though? Or, or, I mean, there's this talk of he's off to Germany, which is, is a good career for our young players, but I've not seen enough of him in the glimpses we have to see that he'd be starting for a team like that. But but maybe that's the point. Maybe he's bags of talent just waiting to be unlocked. But it does show the difference that attitude has on young players. I mean, Ramsey and, and Eric Bonham kind of players who on paper are less talented but are, are further up the pecking order, quite a long way up the pecking order. And, and much as I obviously don't know Chuck Wamenka, but there's, there's definitely question marks about him off the pitch there and it, it shows just how important having the right people around you and the right mindset is as a young player yeah definitely who knows I mean you know we'll, we'll, we'll obviously we'll wait and see with what happens with that in the summer and, and maybe something can be sorted I think he said he's going to um, he's going to um, he's going to make his decision in the summer but he's, st- he's still contracted to Villa for another year either way so it's kind of you know if he goes somewhere he's, there's going to be a fee attached to him um so i think sell him so Get, put a buy back in if you can and um and and then you you're protected either way yeah i I'd, 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 I'd go with that if that's uh, if that's a possibility um so we'll wait and see but um up next for villa um is a is a difficult trip to burnley um at the weekend who have been in really good form since surprisingly uh, sacking uh, Sean Dyche a few weeks ago, Mick Jackson has has, has taken the the caretaker role, and has really inspired something of a fight back um, to take them out of the relegation zone with only a few games to play. A quirk of the season with all the COVID postponements means that Villa and Burnley play each other, I think twice over the next two weeks, um, which could well define their survival bid really. Gerard will have some decisions to make this weekend, including whether Ings and Irugbanum um, did enough to keep their jerseys, and the never-ending debate as to whether Coutinho or Buendia start at number 10. Um, what's your take on the match, and, and what changes do you see for this one? Well, I think certainly if if if, if, if Coutinho sh- should have been a no-brainer to start at home against Norwich, you, f- you get rid of him for away against Burnley. I do not know that's his cup of tea at all. Um, normally, um, in games against Burnley, it is my strong belief that you have to do um, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't piss into the wind. You don't tug on Superman's cake, and you don't start a game against Burnley without Courtney Horse. Unfortunately, speaking of new new contracts, Courtney Horse has, uh, has done a Harold Houdini act since he signed his new deal. So I don't know if we'll ever see him in the Villa colours again. Um, but I just like to see Courtney Horse against Burnley because I just think that's I think he he solves their problems. Um, let's not get fooled by Burnley's um, recent upturn in form. Burnley are also crap. Um, they're they're not much better for player for player than uh, than 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 Norwich. I don't want to hear any excuses out of. Villa or any justifications for anything other than a positive result. Again, I'm looking player for player here. 
We've got uh, Taylor, Roberts, Jack Cork, Brownhill, Lennon, who hasn't been relevant since 2013, <laughs> Weghorst, and a championship striker in Vidra. I mean, if you can't go and turn these lot over, you're, you're, you're struggling. And I'll bear in mind, we are still not mathematically safe. Um, but I did say that uh, once we got to 40 points, I would absolutely shut my mouth about any of uh, Gerard's hippy-dippy formations. So when we see uh, John McGinn at right back and and Jacob Ramsey at left back again and the the two number 10s, do what you want, Gerard. I'm a man of my word and, and, um, and, and he can do whatever he wants to do. Two 10s, two nines, do what you want. Villa on paper have more than enough to beat Burnley. I don't care what kind of form they're in. I mean, you say that we should be able to go there and turn them over. Traditionally, we don't go there and turn them over particularly, <laughs> do we? It's a, a bit of a boat. I mean, they're a bogey team for a lot of teams, but they're a bogey team for Villa too. Not a nice place to go kind of away at Burnley. I'm, I'm saying that about the team. The city itself is perfectly lovely. And, and I is say it? that as a man who lives down the road from it now and has oh. to travel through it regularly. <laughs> You're a local. You don't want them waiting for you with pitchforks at the... I was thinking of going to this game until I realised that inevitably we'll go 2-0 up and then lose 3-2. And it's um, it's that kind of game for Villa, this one. It's, it always has been. I remember the one, was it last season, where we had one of the best first halves I've seen Villa have and then just capitulated after half-time. Um, like Craig, I'm thankful we're on 40 points. Um, I think if we are going to get something out of this game, you, you typically, it's a cliche, but for good reason, you have to go to Burnley and earn it. And and to me, that means dropping some of the fancy down stuff and, and some of the fancy down players. But um, yeah, not not an easy game to have a double head up. Burnley home and away is, you know, it's not a thriller, is it? It doesn't exactly excite you towards the end of the season. I don't know. I'm quite looking forward to it. Mind <laughs> you, I'm not, I, won't, I, won't, I won't be watching the game Saturday because I'm actually going to uh, Warsaw v Swindon. So I'm oh, on Louis times. Barry. Uh, I'm on Louis Barry um, scouting mission. Um, for, he's, he's, he's been absolutely on fire for Swindon by all accounts. So um, Swindon is a very good club to send young players to. I think we've discovered this year with uh, Barry excelling there and also um, Kessler Hayden earlier in the season had a good half a, a season there as well so I'm looking forward to that one but I, I, I think I think as 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 we go on Saturday I think I do think Buendia is probably probably going to start for that one and and part of that is because of uh, the, the Liverpool game coming up where I'm sure Coutinho um, will want to start the that, that game at Villa Park you say Craig that we're not mathematically safe yet <laughs> but uh, the club seem pretty confident because they've hiked the season ticket prices up today <laughs> which uh and and put them out for for resale for renewal so um you know that they, they seem confident that we will be paying extra to be watching premier league football next season so um gotta pay those Coutinho uh, wages somehow andy you want well, him in you're gonna pay more in the season ticket look i'll i'll, I'll take it i'll take <laughs> it on the chin but um I think, uh, yeah, I think I think for this one, Buendia starts. Um, I wonder whether uh, oh, it's it's a it's a tough one for for Rogbenham, isn't it? But I I think he showed enough that he can he can stand stand that test against the Burnley midfield. It's just whether you you sort of put um, a Douglas Louise in alongside him or Nakamba maybe alongside him just to give him that extra bit of support. 
Um, but I think he's, I think he keeps his jersey, and definitely Danny Ings, because I think he was, I thought he was superb. <laughs> he really stood out. He was, he was probably my man of the match on 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 Saturday. Um, assist, beautiful, lovely assist. Uh, great long ball for Watkins and a, and, a, and a good goal late on and some some nice nice play in between so I'm, I'm, I'm keeping Watkins and, and Ings up front with and I, I, I suppose I'll relent and give Buendia a start um, in the number 10 um, but other than that I'd, I'd, I'd probably keep it keep it the same to be honest um, but of course you know we will we probably won't record again before Liverpool um, who visit Villa Park uh, next Tuesday in another rearranged fixture. Uh, Liverpool, of course, are still on course for an unprecedented quadruple as they have upcoming FA Cup and Champions League finals to come uh, to add to their EFL Cup triumph while still going head-to-head with Man City for the league title. Um, it's a frightening prospect and it'll certainly be a different outcome to the last visit to Villa Park, which resulted in a 7-2 shellacking. That was 7-2, <laughs> which I still struggle to believe ever happened. Um, I struggle to believe it happened because I, I've, I've been reliably informed that Villa don't have the quality to beat any of the teams above us. <laughs> so that must have been a mirage, Andy. I'm not sure that even happened. Well, we had we had different players then, I suppose. But We had a defensive but, um, midfielder probably then, Craig. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are, of course... Um, you know narratives around Steven Gerrard and Phil Coutinho um, for this one, and also with Villa set to face Man City on the final day, we could still have a, a bit of a say in the destination of the title. Um, just as Dean Smith uh, was a potential banana skin for his old club last week, could Gerrard be a similar threat for Liverpool and their title hopes next week? No. Uh, simply no I think we're, we might be on the end of a shark in ourselves here I think we just we do not line up well against Liverpool especially with this narrow formation and I think even though Gerrard away at Anfield kind of pushed them we, we had none of that game and, and I think we were we were probably better when we, we visited their place and certainly in, looked like a bit more of a team than we do now so, so I expect them to, to to come to Villa Park, turn us over and tickle our tummies a little bit. Unfortunately, I just, I just don't see it being a, a particularly good weekend for Villa fans. I think there was uh, some kind of bonkers stat that all of kind of ex-Man United players and uh, all of his lackeys like kind of Allardyce, the likes of uh, Kerbishley, Mark Hughes, uh, Brucey, there was just a, a record that went on for years of all of them rocking up to Old Trafford and rolling over when Ferguson needed three points. And I'm not going to accuse Gerard of doing the same thing here, but I feel like Gerard might be invested in 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 Liverpool winning the league. So I don't expect too much. Now I'm not accusing anyone of match fixing or anything like that, <laughs> but I don't expect too much Villa resistance. I'm not sure this will be a game that Gerard will be particularly eager to win. Dare I say? I mean, that's that's really questioning his character there. But I think it's not unreasonable to suggest that. Uh, that we know where Steven Gerrard's real allegiances lie. He, he is a Liverpool man through and through, nothing wrong with that. And as it's a bit of a, a, a hopefully, if we can beat Brentford, uh, Brentford even, if we can beat Burnley, we are then probably going to be nice and secure. Um, actually, the Liverpool result doesn't have too much for bearing on our season. Also, Liverpool are much better than us, so does that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think certainly I've seen enough of Steven Gerrard to suggest that he'll want to win. 
Um, he'll want to he'll want to beat Liverpool, um, and he'll want to go and beat Man City as well to level it up. So you know, maybe that will happen. Who knows? But yeah, I, th- I tend to think this one's probably um, a little bit out of our grasp. Um, but we'll see. Obviously, it's hard to um, to, to say too much about the, the the game after the next game. But um, I'm looking forward to it. It's a, be a big big kind of night game at Villa Park, and you know, clearly there'll be a lot of excitement around the game generally because of the situation Liverpool are in. It's it's an unbelievable um, position to be at this stage of the season with a with a with a chance of walking off with four trophies and. Um, you know, they're, 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 or or just ending up with the one. Yeah. You know, it, it, it could it, it could be like that. And if I, I think if I was a Liverpool fan, I don't think I'd be sleeping an awful lot at the moment. So, um, you know, hopefully we, you know, maybe we we, we put a dent in in, in that on uh, on Tuesday. Um, but we'll we'll obviously wait and see. Do you, do you want to give? Let's give do predictions for Burnley first of all, guys. Dan, I think we beat Burnley two one. 2-0. 2 Villa. 2-0. Okay, I'm going to go... Um, oh, you've taken the good ones. I'll say 1-0. 1-0. Uh, I think we'll beat them 1-0. Liverpool? I reckon we'll be battered 1-0. I think it's just going to be a, a one-sided game, but, but a tight scoreline. 3-0 uh, Liverpool. I'm going to go 2-2. Ooh, I think we'll, uh, we'll peg them back. And I see, I see Coutinho get, getting a goal. Um... But no, that's that's great. It's been been a been a good one today. Thanks for joining me, guys. It's been it's it's been uh, good to chew the fat and uh, you know and uh, offload a little bit. So um, so thanks for that and thanks to everyone for listening. Obviously, head over to Under a Gaslit Lamp to check out the the website there and give us a follow on the socials uh, Under a Gaslit Lamp and I think it's at Villa Lamp on Twitter. And we'll be back at some point, I think, after the Liverpool game to look ahead to. What are the next two? Crystal Palace at home and also Burnley at home. Three home games in a row. That could uh, that could be painful <laughs> for the, anyone delaying their choices of uh, whether this, whether to uh, renew their season tickets. But um, yeah, we'll see how that goes, and we'll 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 we'll, we'll be back next week to to look back and look ahead to those games. Um, but if you're going to any of the games over the next the next week or so, have a good one. Um, Stay safe, take care and up the villa.